Hi, everybody, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen in on our Hilco Global Smarter Perspective podcasts. Welcome back to our return listeners. And for those joining us for the first time, I'm your host, Steve Katz. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're joined by Shion Carroll, Managing Director at Hilco Corporate Finance, for a discussion about whether and when selling a company is really in the best interest of a business owner and under what conditions exploring other options may actually be more advantageous. Shion, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. This is such an interesting topic. And, you know, given market fluctuations across any number of industries over the past few years, perhaps more relevant than ever, I think. So the first thing I'd like to address with you um, is whether most middle market businesses are really worth what their owners think they're worth on the sale block. Because it seems that many have either received counsel that they could make a lot of money by selling, or they're at least under the impression that others have done so. But clearly, you can't universally always be a great time to sell. So what's the what's the real story here? Steve, it's great to be on the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Your question is a great starting point. Here it is. The dirty little secret is that very few middle market sellers end up being beneficiaries of the windfalls they expect when they decide to sell their business. If you ask most investment bankers whether you should sell your company, they'll inform you, this is a good time to sell, no matter when this is. You'll then ask them how much your company is worth. To show you how well they know your sector, they'll multiply your EBITDA by a range of multiples they have for your sector, and thereby calculate the value of your company. To clinch the deal, they'll share a marvelous success story with you how they sold a company very similar to yours and how quickly they were able to accomplish that feat. After you sign the, the engagement agreement, most of them will run a cookie-cutter process that includes sending out a teaser followed by a confidential information memorandum full of cliches such as a scalable business and other similar marketing boilerplate. They'll round up the usual suspects for potential buyers. Then, after formalized management meetings with interested buyers, the investment bankers will engage in what passes for a competitive process, and they'll close the deal as quickly as possible so that they can collect a success fee. Whether you realize it or not, you've just been hustled. Interesting. So the old hustle. Uh, no one wants to be hustled, that's for sure. What what other options do exist, though, for businesses? Uh, what should they be considering um, as options to a sale uh, when they're in a situation like this? And, and, you know, what should they look for in an advisor that might take them down a path other than a sale? There's a great deal of complexity at the moment. And all of these considerations have to be taken into account. For example, dry powder in private equity is now around $1.2 trillion end of Q3 uh, of 2022, according to PitchBook. Uh, This is down from 1.8 at the beginning of 22. So you see a a surge in the private equity investment. Uh, You have the continued pandemic uncertainty in the financial markets, which is giving managers pause about going forward with deals, deploying capital. At the same time, there's this abundance of capital, albeit with a recent decline. There's the inflation uncertainty, 
the war in Ukraine, the Fed Reserve raising interest rates, all of these have to be considered. Therefore, right now, instead of selling your business, it might be more advantageous to consider other alternatives. Maybe obtain additional capital to whether what Jamie Dimon of JP Morgan said is going to be the economic hurricane, possibly buy a competitor, enter into a joint venture, sell in part rather than in whole, yeah. or prepare the business by having a performance improvement engagement. If you've selected an advisor who provides only one service, it is almost certain that you'll be encouraged to buy that service, even if there's a more attractive alternative. This can be particularly problematic if the advice coincides with your own preconceptions as a business owner. Yeah, and I, I think that last piece is is really important because I've known of cases firsthand and heard of others where seemingly very savvy and experienced owner operators of middle market companies just heard what they wanted to hear and ended up paying the price in the end. So with that in mind, how can owners who are seeking a solution to their current challenge or looking for an opportunity to move their business forward go about finding the right advisor for them? Very important. For unbiased advice and greater optionality, it's important to seek an advisor who has a broad focus, wide contacts, and best of all, can provide a spectrum of services. A business owner needs an investment banker who can assess and unlock value. That value, for example, may lie in your company's real estate or intellectual property. I increasingly find our clients want to access our real estate or intellectual property colleagues to assess formally or informally these type of assets. Through the conversations, they come to realize they could be leaving money on the table if these assets are not properly analyzed and monetized. I won't go into a lot of the detail, but for example, with intellectual property, there, there is value that is not necessarily recorded on the balance sheets, but has value. Uh, brands, patents, and then more esoteric intangibles, such as internet protocol addresses, other digital assets. So bottom line, the, it is important for business owners to look for investment bankers who have the capability to provide, as needed, these types of services, pre-acquisition services to enhance your company's value, assessment or early look of the value of specialized assets, in-house operational expertise to tweak or restructure shortcomings in the business that would deter a buyer, the capability to invest its own funds if needed. In short, middle market companies need and should seek the investment banking expertise and optionality that bulge bracket firms make available to mega companies. Yeah, all good points, all good points. And, and, and I know because you and I have talked about this on other occasions that you're a big advocate of the idea of selling your company as I think it's you you refer to it as a living organism. So can you talk about what you mean by that and how you've seen that mindset and approach really benefit businesses that uh, you and the Hillco corporate finance team have worked with in the past? Absolutely. 
pretty much every day we see examples of successful business owners who sell their businesses for less than they're worth. As I indicated before, the dirty little secret is that very few middle market sellers end up reaping the benefit of what they expect when they sell. And this is tragic because over 80% of entrepreneurs' wealth is tied up in the businesses they own. That's why the idea of selling your company as a living organism, rather than mechanically as a commodity like I described before, becomes very important. Yes, interesting. Ludwig von Mises, the great economist and sociologist, explained that it's a fallacy to assert that things and services exchanged have a particular set value. Instead, he explained that value is not objective. It's merely the expression of various people's eagerness to acquire them. So the essence of M&A is selling a business to the buyer for whom it has the greatest value. Because really, a company's value is not simply a multiple of EBITDA. It's a living organism. It has a life. It's worth what someone will pay for it. Yeah, that's such a good point. Is is there a real-world example or a company that you've worked with in the past um, that can help drive home that point about value not being objective? Yes, Steve. What we found in our work is that every business has a life. And successful businesses have a soul. To borrow from Socrates, it's the soul writ large. But today, many sellers don't always realize that their company is special, or if it is special, why it's special. And to give you an example, recently we closed a transaction that began inauspiciously. When I met with the owner, he insisted that although the business was highly profitable, there was nothing truly special about the company. So we sat in a meeting and I questioned him over and over, and I just got nowhere. Eventually, in desperation, I ended the formal meeting, and I invited the owner to sit with me in a casual setting. We chatted about our dogs. We argued which dog was better. We joked, and then I asked him to tell me how he founded the company. He explained that he had developed a workaround to a technical issue. In his mind, the methodology was just common sense. But actually, it was worth a lot more than that. It was a brilliant solution, so clever that it required us to explain it repeatedly to potential buyers. The eventual buyer paid a pretty penny for the enterprise because it was special. They recognized that fact, and that specialness was of significant value to them. So ultimately, then, it sounds like it boils down to the fact that Business owners really know their businesses better than anyone else, which makes sense. So with their help, the right advisor, and and picking that right advisor based on what you've explained here is clearly very critical. The right advisor should be able to position the company, encapsulate that distinctive quality or qualities about that, that make the business so unique, and then articulate the value proposition to potential buyers in an effort to find just the right buyer for for whom that business has a value beyond a mechanical EBITDA calculation. Did I sum that up accurately? Absolutely perfectly. 
the right buyer will appreciate, if the investment banker does his or her job, the company's current legacy, and even more important, will see in his mind's eye the next stage of that company's life. The right buyer will pay commensurately, often even more than the seller expected. The key in all of this is for the business owner, the entrepreneur, to seek advisors who are capable, have demonstrated a track record of creating alternative paths. And if the business owner decides to sell, the right professional will not only guide the seller, but will lead the buyer through the maze to meet with the seller. Great explanation. Uh, such an interesting topic. We're, unfortunately, we're just about out of time. Is there anything that we didn't cover or any final thoughts you wanted to share before we sign off today? Steve, I'd sum it up this way. A successful sale process occurs when a seller and buyer converge in a transaction that has greater value to them than to anyone else. You as a business owner have a choice. You can follow someone else's playbook and sell your company as a commodity. The more profitable alternative, however, is to explore your options. And if you do decide to sell, work with professionals who can find the path through the maze on which you and the buyer converge to your greatest advantage. All right, Shian, really, really great insights. Uh, I know I learned something here. I'm sure our listeners did as well. Um, a lot of different options out there if you have the right uh, advisor to take you down that path. Um, middle market companies clearly owe it to themselves to seek out that type of an advisor, someone who recognizes the uniqueness of their business as what you call an organic entity uh, and can help them to carve that alternative path. So thanks for joining us today. I hope uh, we can have you back on again soon. And how can those who are listening and have follow-up questions or want to discuss their particular situation go about getting in touch with you? First of all, uh, thank you very much, Steve. It was uh, hopefully a good discussion and helpful, I hope, for listeners. I would welcome any uh, and all follow-up questions or comments. I can reach be reached by phone at my cell, which is 646-391-6913, or by email, which is S-K-A-R-O-L at HilcoCF.com. That's H-I-L-C-O CorporateFinance.com. So H-I-L-C-O-C-F.com. Perfect. All right, Shian, thanks again. And listeners, as always, we hope that this Smarter Perspective podcast provided you with at least one key takeaway that you can put to good use in your business or share with a colleague or client to help make them that much more successful moving forward. And last thing, remember, you can always check out our other recent podcasts and a full archive of those previously recorded at hilcoglobal.com forward slash smarter dash perspectives or on your favorite podcast platform. Lots of good stuff there. All right, that wraps us up. So until next time for Hilco Global, I'm Steve Katz.